Welcome to Creative Conversations. I'm Roger Humphrey. In this episode, I'm talking with fingerstyle guitarist Mark Cruz. Mark's unique ability to play both necks of a double neck guitar at the same time has won him legions of fans throughout the United States. And in 2011, he was named Superstar of the Year by Guitar Player Magazine. He graciously joined me in conversation via Skype, and we joined that in progress. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I hear a lot of, I, I do about, usually about 60 dates a year, 60 okay. to 80 in, um, was it 2018 was when we did our really, really big tour and we did 120 dates that year. Wow. That was too much. Um, and I don't know, at the same time, like I hear about people, like I think about how much that was, that was, that was so much. And I sometimes hear about people doing more than that. And to me, that's just unfathomable. You know, 120 is, I, I don't know, the first year that I did this, I lived out of my car, like really lived out of my car. And, and I played a lot of like open mics and that kind of thing. And that was, uh, that was in 2010. So that was 10 years ago. And uh, I was out in open mic like every single night, you know, and it was exhausting. But I was also 10 years younger at the time. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I was in my in my early to mid 20s. So it, it's like that kind of thing is easy to do. And it feels it feels new and it feels interesting. But then after doing this for 10 years, um, playing shows is still my favorite thing, you know, of the job. It's 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 my um, one thing that I, I've been thinking a lot about is how I, you know, I'm a very extroverted person. Um, however, as you, well, and, and I guess you're around people a lot because you're teaching a lot, but my job actually has me, um, uh, not around people a lot of the time. A lot of my work is actually by myself when I'm not on tour. So it's sort of funny for me, the whole quarantine thing. Like there are a lot of jokes and memes going around the internet right now about quarantine. Oh, that's just what guitarists do all the time. Yep, <laughs> that's, that's me right there. Um, I, I actually, for three months before the coronavirus uh, pandemic hit, I was, um, Nora and I, we had a house in North Carolina that we were just, we were there for three months and I was working on a new show and I didn't leave the house more than 10 times, I'm guessing in three months. Um, and, and it's, it's funny because that, that's just the way my work is. You know, I sit and I, I write, I arrange, I practice. Um, and then when we go out on tour, that's my chance to be around people. And I really do like that, that time. That's my favorite time is when we're out traveling. Um, so yes, there is a grind to it, but like for me, it's, um, it, it, it's that, that's the time that's, that's very, very enjoyable. I mean, I love playing shows. Um, if you get me on about a five day stretch, where it's it's five days of shows back to back to back, um, that's really exhausting. I'll need to sleep for a while after that because each of those days also it's not like it's 
just go to go to sleep, wake up, play another show. It's wake up, drive five hours a lot of the time, maybe more, maybe less, and then play another show. Uh, have caffeine before the show and then try to sleep afterwards, all of that. But but at the end of the day, it's awesome. I get so fired up being around people, getting to share music with folks. Like that's that's an awesome part of the job. When I when I do weddings, uh, you know, it's uh, I, I'm not playing a full show like you are, but I, I'm showing up and and I'm providing music for one of the best days of their life, you know, oh. in theory. And and so, uh, uh, well, you know, but uh, but anyway, um, uh, but these are always destination weddings. If they're getting married at their church, uh, they're probably going to use the church organist or somebody. But uh. but. So, so I'm always driving up north or driving someplace, you know, and so um, it, it's not uncommon for me to have to drive two and a half, three hours to get to where I'm going, play the wedding, and then jump in the car and drive two and a half, three hours yeah. back again, you know. Yeah. And and uh, and I'm reminded that uh, Scott Tennant once, Scott Tennant from Los Angeles Guitar Quartet once, yeah, said, uh, he, said, he said, he said, he said, yeah, he says he's. He said, I play for free. He said, they just pay me to travel. You know, yeah. and those guys are out on the road every weekend, I think. Yeah. I, during, the, during the during the concert season, they are literally, I think, I think they leave like on Friday night and they don't get home until either Sunday night or Monday morning. And, you know, so they teach during the week and, and play on the weekends. Well, my wife, Nora, and I, we joke about that all the time. You know, we, we always talk about, you know, that playing the show is incredibly fun. And I, I, the, the thing is, though, like to me, we for, for Nora and myself, we both travel really, really well. I could leave for a tour in two hours, like maybe cool. one hour. Like if you were like, hey, Mark, we're going on tour. It's fully booked. Uh, we've got contracts for every show, all that stuff. We got to go in two hours. I'm gone. You know, I, I got it. You know, Nora, too. She can pack for a tour really, really fast. Like we're all set to go at any given time. Um, but uh, but even these days, actually, Roger, I don't know if I ever cued you in on this. But in 2018, when we did our big monster tour, I think I've told you this. We actually, since 2018, we haven't had a place of permanent residence. Yeah, that's what you told me. Yeah, that you're just basically going from from. Uh... Uh, B&B or, um, mm -hmm. or, or some yeah, such we'll, rental? We'll oftentimes, we'll keep a place for three months. Like right now, the place that we're at in Florida, we've been here, we're about a month and a half in. And it's an Airbnb, and it's great. It's fantastic. But if you own a house, you know, congratulations. Like, that's a great, like, it's it's great to keep a house if you have a house, if you own a house, if you own equity in a house. But we found after living in Charlotte, North Carolina for four years, we found we'd be out on the road for two or three months at a time. And we'd be paying rent. Like, <laughs> what's the point in doing that? And we're not alone with that. We're not the only musicians in that situation. Most of I'd say most uh, most musicians that are my age being in my mid 30s, I'd say most of us are probably renters. You know, I would say most of them don't own a house, um, especially if it's a situation where it's um, them and their wife as this, that's that's their full-time job. You know, this is Nora's full-time job as well. And so 
uh, we found, you know, why are we keeping this house? Why are we keeping this house that we don't even own? You know, we found, we figured at the end of four, four years of living there, we had paid, I think, $48,000 in rent. You know, yeah. like that's insane when you add that up. Why would yeah. we do that if we're, if we're not there? I'd say if we're not there, we probably weren't there three-fourths of the time at least, maybe two-thirds of the time. And when you come back from a tour, Roger, I don't know if you experienced this after a day of driving. Like, you got to take some time after a tour to get back to not being on tour. It is, I mean, it is, I, I can't think of a word for it without using obscenities, but it just, <laughs> like, um, you, you literally, it, it is the, it messes with your mind so much that you probably, you, you hear about like post tour depression and that kind of thing. And it's from going, going from like this, from being incredibly just emotionally stimulated, um, mentally stimulated all the time, being, being constantly on your toes and being, for me, I thrive under that. I do really, really well. Uh, being around people all the time as an extroverted person. I love being around people, but then like I get all of that. And then you're home for, for your, for, you know, if, uh, it takes me about a week to kind of get back to, to normal. <laughs> and I found that now that we don't own it or we don't live anywhere regularly, we just go from place to place. I find that that post-tour depression is a lot less. Like it's oh. it's a lot easier to just move into a new place and just kind of get settled in. It's like the excitement of that. I think I think sixty sixty shows a year is a pretty good pretty good number. Um, I, some of the I've, you know I've talked to some of the pros that have have done this and they're they're, they're looking anywhere from eighty to one hundred and ten shows a year and that's that's normal. But they don't do their own booking. All they got to do is get on a plane and go. And, and as a classical guitarist, you don't carry anything else. You carry a suitcase and a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. go to work, you know. And so in your particular case, you guys are doing all of the paperwork. You're taking care of all of the booking, all of the accounting. I mean, everything has to be on you. And and uh, and that just makes a job. Excuse me. That makes a job about three times harder. And, uh, yeah. you know. It's, it's certainly a large part of it. Um, however... So uh, you know, I've been doing it for 10 years now, and I've found that what, what's pretty important is getting, when you find that there's something you don't like to do, or you're not good at it, and there are definitely a lot of things like that for me, you know, I'm, I'm pretty decent at playing the guitar the way that I play the guitar and everything, um, and, uh, but, but there are certain things like show promotion. I'm not particularly good at that. Um, making videos. Um, I'm, I, these are two things that I either am not very good at or I don't like very much. Uh, updating my website. That's a, that's something, oh man, no, I never, I would love to never have to update my website again. So fortunately, uh, my wife doesn't mind doing that kind of thing. So Nora, Nora and I, as a team, we're, she's able to take over a lot of the things that I don't necessarily like to do. Um, if you think about booking from a standpoint of doing your own booking is weird because if you call somebody up 
And first of all, I, I don't know, um, as far as your listeners go, how many of them, how many of them are musicians or aspiring musicians. But my first uh, rule with booking is a phone call is usually a lot better than a cold email. If you can start with a phone call, that's a good thing. But if you're doing your own booking and you want to start with a phone call and your first thing, you know, when somebody answers the phone and you say, hi, my name is Mark Cruz. This is what I do. I'm re I promise I'm really good at it. What does that phone call look like, Roger? I mean, that's not a pleasant phone call. Like, not at all. I mean, you're sitting there attached, trying to sell yourself and everything. So it's a lot easier, you know, for Nora to do those kinds of things because she's not trying to sell herself with that. She's trying to sell me. And, right. um, and, and so that's helpful, you know, when she calls up a church and says, hey, you should have this guy in for your concert. You know, I, uh, I like his guitar playing so much that I married him, you know, uh, that uh, or, you know, something she'll she she's very, very good at it. She's very good at that aspect. So doing our own booking, it's a lot of work. It definitely is. But until you're able to until you're able to bring in enough money with your shows to make it worth somebody else's time to book you a lot of time you have to book yourselves and this is something that Nora and I have debated because we've we've definitely like we're we've with what we do right now, which is primarily, I primarily do my concerts in churches. And as you know, Roger, so I play, you know, I play instrumental guitar music. So that's something that can be played just about anywhere, you know, doing a concert, you know, a bar would have me, I don't really like playing a lot of bars, but sometimes a bar will want to book me and they'll make it worth my time to, to go in and, and do that. And when I say worth my time, I mean, it'll be, it'll be a good contract for one. And two, I know they really want to have me in like that. And I know that they'll really promote it. And it'll be like a promoter that I've worked with before that I know is really going to promote the show and bring out the entire town. And we're going to have a blast. I might even play wagon wheel, you know, like or Folsom prison blues or stuff like that. We'll have fun. We'll have a really, really fun time and it'll, it'll just be a, a blast. But you know, it's it's primarily churches. Those are kind of my go-to, and we've definitely found uh, over the years that that the way that we do things with doing our own booking, it's maybe not necessarily that we couldn't get somebody else to do it, but with the churches especially, we found that forming a contact with the music director there forming a personal relationship with the music director or the pastor is so important. It really, really is. Oftentimes we'll get booked at a church and usually the Sunday will look like this. They'll have me in on the Sunday morning. I'll play a few pieces in the morning service. I might speak a little bit and then I'll come back in the evening and give a concert. So it's a full day at the church. The church provides two nights of lodging. We don't say, hey, you got to put us up in a hotel. We usually say you can put us up with a family from the church. Oftentimes that family ends up being the pastor and his wife. So we come in 
And we stay two nights with them. We stay Saturday night. We hang out all day on Sunday at the church. You know, sometimes we'll even do like, uh, I'll do a guitar clinic at the church occasionally. Sometimes it's three engagements. It's a full day. And then we come back in the evening and we hang out with them. It's really about building a relationship. We're friends with a lot now with a lot of our business contacts in that way. I don't want to take those business contacts that are that are really friendships now and give them to an agent and say okay all right you know pastor steve if you want to book me again you have to work with this agent now no like i'm not i'm not going to do that to somebody like i i want to work with them we have a substantial network now roger we definitely do one thing that i've found though and it's taken it's taken 10 years to kind of uh settle on this number well on the network to 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 get develop that network i mean we have probably a network of 150 to 200 churches um now uh to 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 get to this though uh we've kind of found that it's about three or four years you have to go about three or four years before a church wants to have you back yep i get i get that i don't mean to suggest that you're not doing any cold calling and it's not still oh, hard no. work. I just, no, it's I mean, just, but, yeah. but, but if you're calling a church that you've never really worked with before versus calling a church that you've done maybe two concerts for, I, the whole dynamic is different. It's a so. completely different dynamic. You're right about that. But it's, it's a different, um, it's a different music. And, and you, everybody that you're doing these podcasts with are in a different music business. You know, it's like when we when you say the word the music business, people people who are, get this idea of what that is. But there are many different music businesses. And, you know, I I, I I'm an Okemos kid. Okay, so um, if if your listeners, you know, know the Lansing area, they know Okemos and they know that it's um, it's it's often you know thought of as as the rich kid district or the rich district because everybody's parent is a doctor or a lawyer or an academic professor you know that kind of thing and in that environment nobody knows what the music business is because nobody's parents are professional musicians you know right. so um, it was funny growing up with that. Uh, with not knowing, like not knowing what is the music business, what is the music business, and you get this idea, and then you go to college. I went to college for music. Uh, if you have the opportunity to go to college, I went to college for music, and I found even in college, people didn't know what the music business were, was. Going to college for music, the professors, they'd been out of the music business for 20 years if they were ever in it. You know, yeah, a um, lot of them, a lot of them were never in the business, and, and yeah. that used to be as as an adjunct uh, teaching at college uh, and talking to these guys. They were good musicians at what they did, but they were so far removed from what the music business was. Yeah. Um, I tell a story about um, one professor who taught um, uh, studio techniques and and uh, and and contemporary stuff, you know and uh, recording techniques and all this kind of stuff. And, and he said to me uh, one day, it was, it was like oh, in mid-April or something, and he knew that I taught at Marshall Music. And he said, um, he said, well, he said, would the people at Marshall Music, he said, would they be interested in having somebody like me come in 
and show them how to work with all of this recording equipment. And I smiled at him and I said, well, I've seen your studio, your recording equipment's about five years old and they got 18 year old kids working down there that know the latest stuff. All the stuff that you drool over in the magazines, these kids can speak it. And he just looked at me like I just slapped his face. It never wow. occurred to him that there could be anybody smarter than him. Yeah, <laughs> academia, academia is a weird, um, it's weird. It, it really is because it's not, um, it's not the real world. And, you know, it's kind of funny saying it's not the real world because having, having grown up for the second half of my childhood in Okemos, that is a very, very, it's, it was a great place to go to school. It's an excellent, excellent high school. And, and it's a lovely area. Um, when you grow up there, it, it is not, it is very, very far removed from the real world, though. You know, it very much right. is. And you go if you go to college like I did, academia, man, it really is. It is funny because everybody there does kind of look at it as the real world, because in as far as all those professors go, those professors, uh, that is their world. It is their world. They're in the world of academia. And and that's OK. You know, it works. It works for them. You know, it's it's OK. But in the world of music. The world of music generally happens outside of the university. You know, it, it I does. Have, I have a story that I tell that kind of uh, uh, suggests that. And at the same time, it's, it's, it's a very kind of a sad story. There was a fellow that, that I knew that, that uh, was a piano tuner, part-time piano tuner at the store. Young guy uh, in his late 20s. And, and, uh, and I knew he was a... Um, uh, a, a PhD student, or actually doc, DMA, a doctor student in at uh, at Michigan State for uh, composition, mm-hmm. and so so he was doing this other to you know pay the bills. <laughs> so I ran into him one day outside of the store, and we were talking, and I asked him how it was going, and he had expressed just some amazing dismay and just some awful stuff because he had found out uh, recently that that he had assumed that when when he graduated with his doctorate, he would get a teaching position somewhere or get a position at a university somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he, he just automatically assumed that um, uh, he would have most of his day to compose. And he found out that he was actually going to have to teach and go to committee meetings and things like that. And he said, I won't have time to compose. And I said, well, you know, you're like everybody, you know, kind of do that in the evening. And he, he almost screamed at me and he said, no, he said, evening time is for family. And he honestly thought they were going to give him a job so he could sit and sequester himself in a room somewhere and write music without having to be bothered with students and things like this. And I thought, well, it's a teaching institution. Did you really think that? Yeah. It gets better. So then he says, well, I think I'm going to drop out of school. And I said, well, you're almost done. Finish it. You know? And he says, no. He sa- I said, what would you do? And he said, he said, well, he said, I think I'll go to Hollywood and write music for films. He says, not like anybody out there has a degree. And my jaw hit the floor. Uh-huh. I said, well, I said, okay. I said, do you have any recording equipment? And he went, well, why would I need recording equipment? I said, well, to begin with, I said, everybody who works out there has their own private little studio. They have a home studio and they do all their demo work in that. And I said, some of these people are very talented. So I said, you're going to need your own studio. It's going to be a good studio and you have to crank out stuff. And then you're going to have to submit just to see if people will take take the time to listen. Mm. And he was all set to argue with me. And I said, you know what? Don't take my word for it. Just kind of look into it. 
You know, just <laughs> scratch the yeah. surface. Don't 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 make a life decision based on an assumption. <laughs> and, and he, but I thought about it. I thought about that conversation afterwards, and I thought, here's a guy that went all the way through middle school and high school being a musician, went to college, got his undergraduate degree, went to graduate school, got a master's degree, got his master's degree, went on to graduate, continued to get his doctorate. He uh -huh. had never lived outside of that environment. He had yeah. never played a gig outside of that environment. Everything he, all of his public performances had always been in the, the faculty recital hall or in the, the, the school music, the, the music building, you know. And he had never gone anywhere to actually work as a musician and have to, you know, try to put cornflakes in his bowl doing yeah. that for a living, you know. And yeah. and and I thought, you know, somebody somewhere along along line really let this guy down. This is information that he should have had when he was 19. You know, yeah, and, and that's an interesting thing because I, I, I definitely went through that very last sentence of yours, definitely feeling like, like, oh, man, I wish somebody had told me. You know, I wish somebody – but nobody – you know, nobody knows. You know what I mean? And everybody's got their everybody's got their own path and their own lessons that they need to learn. Right. Uh, and sometimes those lessons involve a lot of student debt. You know, uh, as as with mine. However, um, you know, it, it was interesting. I I spent about the almost the past ten years regretting going to music school. I I did uh, for a long time. And then uh, I told you I was writing a new show for the past three months before the COVID-19 thing uh, happened. And this involved a full band, uh, full band orchestration, meaning full horn section and wow. um, bass, guitar, drums, house guitarist. And I'll tell you a little bit more in the irony surrounding it uh, too in just a second, but I found myself going, you know, I would not be able to do this if I hadn't gone to music school. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't, I would definitely have to pay somebody else to do it. And not just that, but I mean, at the end of the day, Roger, I'm a composer, man. Like I could pay somebody else to do it, like whatever, but there are going to be a thousand things that I want to change in their arrangement after they compose it. Like, uh, sorry, I want it the way that I want it. And I would not be able to do that if I hadn't gone to music school. That was one thing. The other thing, I was I started learning how to do, uh, you know, uh, chicken picking, country picking. We don't have yeah. it a lot in Michigan, you know. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, the country shred kind of thing they well, do yeah, in Nashville, sure. and it is so closely linked to jazz, which is what I went to you know, partly went to school for was jazz guitar. And just, I kind of had a realization earlier this year that I don't really regret going to music school. You know, I, I don't, I, I mean, it, I, I think I actually, I don't know that I got my money's worth, but I, I got, I got enough lessons in there of, of life in general that that was interesting. So here's the ironic part though, about the, the whole show that I was putting together for three months. It was a show to be a guest artist on cruise ships. So, uh, there, and, and right when I got it done and we did our run through at, uh, we did a run through with some faculty at Eastern Kentucky University right before 
everything shut down. It was on March 15th. We got the run through done. We got good video, good audio of it and everything. So if cruise ships ever exist again, um, well, uh, I'll, I'll have that show. And it, it's, it was cool. You know, I mean, as much as, as much as it might seem like a downer that we got it together, like, and then, you know, and then it, um, it all collapsed. Uh, it really was a big blessing to actually be able to do the run through right before and everything. Like we thought we weren't even going to be able to do that because everything was shutting down. But, um, but it, it's, it's, it's a good show and I'm, I'm looking forward to actually getting to perform it someday. Um, to, to respond to your comment about going to college, um, you know, I didn't go to college and, and uh-huh. I, I went, I went to community college and, and I, and I stu- actually, I studied media production. I didn't study music. What I regret as, as somebody who always wanted to be a composer is not having the skill set to be able to do the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and there is, it's, it, and it, there's a, there's a certain skill set, not only of having the, the, uh, the equipment, but understanding how to use it and use it effectively and, and understanding how music fits together. And there are things that I do and things that I know, and I'm pretty good for a guy who just taught himself. But um, uh, at, the, at the end of the day, um, I don't think a college is going to teach you how to be a musician, but they will teach you a skill set. And, and so it depends on how you use those skills as to whether or not it was, uh, uh, whether or not it was useful to you. I think uh, what you've been doing for the last 10 years was nothing that any college could show anybody. Um, and, but, no. but, at the same, but, but at the same time, you've got the skill set to do this show, and you may end up going down another path in the next 10 years that you didn't see happening. Yeah. I mean, we might be going down a different path in the next 10 years, Roger. We don't know what what this whole thing, uh, this whole thing is bringing about and everything. But but no, you're right. I mean, and as far as as far as college goes, you know, no, I'm, I'm sorry. But even if you go and get a, you know, music business degree at Berkeley, you know, Berkeley in Massachusetts, the 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 head of pop music as far as going to school or Belmont, wherever, it's not going to compare to immersing yourself in the actual, like in the real world of, I need to go out and I need to pay the bills now as an adult. And my greatest skill is playing the guitar. That's the music business right there. You know, that's like, that's the real life music business i would say for for 90 percent of musicians or more is i gotta play pay the bills with my guitar welcome to the music business you know and and so that's that's what i found you know over the past 10 years of doing it i've often wondered how louis armstrong would react to people getting advanced degrees in jazz trumpet right today. yeah you know? <laughs> because you know he was just doing it in these dives back when he was a kid yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and I and I would be interested to 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 know what his reaction to that would be. You know, it's it, there's I look at some of my heroes with with the guitar, classical guitar, and uh, uh, and and Segovia. Uh, you know, there were no degrees when he came around. Uh, another teacher who I, I really I really really enjoyed taking lessons with him too. And this was at Bowling Green where I went to school, and you know that you know his name. I don't know if you ever met uh, Matthew Artizone. Um, I've never met him, but I know who he is, right? He is, he's a wonderful person. He's really, really great. And I think he's up in uh, Rochester now at Eastman School of Music. But, um, you know, he would always really, and, and he's a very, very nice, very humble guy. 
Um, but he would always discourage the guitar players in the studio from like from taking their guitars out and like playing around um just like sitting on the sofa in the lounge and doodling on the guitar because he kind of had this mentality of guitar isn't taken seriously don't do anything to make people take it even less seriously you know by just <laughs> by by just being having it around making it less special uh, because you wouldn't see a french horn player uh, out with their instrument, just sitting on a sofa in the lounge area, just, you know, <laughs> doodling on the French horn. Um, but I just thought it was interesting. It, it, it is, though, you know, um, that is kind of the way the guitar gets looked at a lot of the time. But but uh, Segovia had that same uh, uh, opinion of the guitar as Artisan. Um, he wouldn't play any new music that wasn't written by a composer. You know, I don't care how nice the song was. I don't think he ever played anything by uh, Barrios, who was a, a you know very famous uh, uh -huh. a, a Paraguayan guitarist and composer. Fantastic. Uh, because, yeah. But but Segovia wouldn't play his music in part because uh, you know the guy was self-taught, and Segovia wanted music from people who not only had a history but a pedigree, because he felt that the guitar needed that at that time. And he's probably yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, you know, it, it was some people thought it was he was being racist, too. But and it, that may have been it. But I think it had more to do. With it. But but John Williams talks about playing the Cavatina by Stanley Myers for him one time. And Segovia says, oh, that's a lovely piece. He says, who is that? And he says, by Stanley Myers. You know, he's kind of a folk guy who had written this tune for the deer hunter. And Segovia immediately turned his nose up at it. It was like it was no good at that point. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not all respect to, to Segovia. I'm, I'm not a fan of, of snobbery in general. Um, I also like, and this is where, um, you know, I, I think there's got to be, got to be moderation, you know, with it. I, I would love, um, I, I think that, that doing, uh, I think that. Putting yourself in a position where people are not going to value you is a is a poor career move, um, and therefore the idea of trying to get your instrument taken more seriously is a good idea, you know. And um, right. and I think that in general musicians, and this is not just guitar players, but musicians in general are they don't value themselves enough in a lot of ways because frankly I would do what I do for free because I love it I love playing the guitar if I'm not getting paid to play a concert well I'm I'm just gonna play the guitar you know I'm just gonna <laughs> really enjoy playing the guitar I, I love doing it if I had a different job that was paying my bills I would still play the guitar all the time. That's what I would do. And I think that with that, there's a real tendency for young musicians, especially to undervalue themselves. Not, I shouldn't say just young musicians, the music, musicians in general, you know, they'll, they, they don't, they're afraid to ask for a living, a living wage <laughs> in many cases, you know, they're afraid right. to, to, uh, to, you know, to propose, hey, I'd, I'd actually like to get paid this much. Um, and that that's something where I'm, I'm not a big fan of people, you know, taking themselves too seriously or anything, but I like the idea of musicians trying to value themselves more. 
You know, I always, anytime I come into a college or something and I work with the guitar program, I always try, that's a big thing I tell the students is, you know, when somebody asks you to pay, to play a wedding, uh, for example, you know, um, try to figure out what you can ask for. Try to figure out what, you know, how much you can ask for. Don't, don't immediately, you know, go for, you know, well, this is what I charge. Try to see what you can do, you know, see if, uh, assume that the DJ is probably getting paid $800 to press a button, you know, uh, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. You know, I, I really try to encourage kids to value themselves in those situations because a lot of them aren't, you know, a lot of them really just want that experience. They're so hungry, you know, but they're hungry for experience, <laughs> you know. And, it's, and that's, that's been kind of a, a problem with artists in general. It's like, you know, people say, well, can you do this or can you do that? We don't have any money to pay you, but think of the exposure. Uh, music is cheap right now. Music is cheap these days. You can go on, I, I have a sub subscription to Spotify. I pay, we pay $15 a month so that Nora and I are able to use Spotify and we can listen to literally pretty much anything we want. You know, like we've got an entire music library for $15 a month. That is dirt cheap people yeah. are used to having music for cheap it's it is the way it is it's the business that we live in and we've got to find a way to to work with it you know um and uh there, there are some days that i feel like i'm pretty good at that business and there's some days i feel like i'm a noob at it you know? <laughs> um uh, but it's it, it is you know it is what it is. But it, I do think that a lot of it comes down to musicians really needing to value themselves. Well, you know, Spotify, and I kind of laugh about this. Uh, I have five CDs on Spotify, uh -huh. <laughs> right? And I will get monthly. I'll get a, a, an accounting from them, uh -huh. and it's like twelve, fifteen pages of stuff that people have listened to and how many times they've listened to it and the whole thing, uh -huh. you know, and then, then the, um, the amount that they pay into my check, uh, into my account, cause it goes into an account is like 38 cents. <laughs> uh -huh. okay. It's, it's very, um, like here, I'm going to find you on Spotify right now, Roger. Um, but, uh, the it's, it's Spotify is, is interesting. Have you, have you, um, have you talked with any of your other podcast guests about it? No, I don't think so. Not too much. I um, I without going too much into it, uh, Spotify for me, I I like it, but I also use it as a listener. You know, so I can't be too bitter about it because I use it all the time as a listener. Uh, it's a very very small amount of um of of royalties per stream. But if you have a lot of streams, it does add up and it's very much a numbers game. And it's yeah. also very much a way that a non, I guess we'll put in quotes, famous artist, which is all instrumental guitar players, as far as if you ask <laughs> most people, all instrumental guitar players. If you ask most people to, to uh, you know, name a famous, you know, instrumental guitar player, most of them won't be able to name any of them. Okay. Like they, they will come up right. dry completely, but, but that's besides the point, you know? Um, but, uh, but it's a way that a non-famous guitar player can potentially make a middle-class salary or, or middle-class wages, I guess I, I would say. And by 
working the Spotify game. I have a few friends that are up around half a million monthly listeners that are paying oh, wow. the mortgage with Spotify. And these guys, these are excellent guitar players, but they don't tour. You know, they don't tour. They've worked the Spotify game. They've contacted playlists. They've gotten really good, uh, good playlisting where they are getting a lot of monthly listeners. And I've done it a little bit. I, I have done it a little bit. I think I sit around 50,000 monthly listeners or so. So we, we do get paid from that. It's not a ton. Uh, if we had a mortgage, I don't think it would pay our, it wouldn't pay our mortgage, but it's nice to get a little bit every month. Um, for just having your music work for you. And the other thing that I like about it too is that I can tell people, go listen to me on Spotify. I get paid a little bit for it and it helps me in the Spotify algorithm. When people listen to me, that means Spotify puts my music in front of more people. They see they see that, I mean, their computer basically sees that people are listening to me, so maybe I pop up on the radio of another artist, that kind of thing. And so if I tell people, hey, go listen to me on Spotify, it helps me. And it's a way I'm able to tell people, listen to my music, it's not gonna cost you anything. I love that. I love saying, go listen to my music, you don't even need to buy it. Like, you don't need for to me, buy it, you know? For me, for me, um, uh, I, I laugh because of the, the, the you know, um, the, the small amount of money, but it was never about the money for me. For me, it was uh, uh, getting more gigs, and particularly when I can talk to a bride, and uh -huh. and I can say I can say to that bride, uh, you know, they'll say, "Do you have a, a demo that I can listen to?" And I can say, "I've got five CDs that you can listen to on Spotify. You can also see them on YouTube. Uh -huh. I've got some extra videos on YouTube. I got some stuff on SoundCloud that's not on YouTube. You know." And, and I go through that, and immediately that elevates me in their eyes. Now, whether or not it should is, is another conversation, but it does. And it makes makes me um, uh, a lot more accessible. So yeah. uh, it, it, it's makes you, interesting. Well, it, it makes you, in a lot of people's eyes, you know, like you said, it elevates you. It, it, it adds a level of legitimacy. Like it yes. really does because you, just, you, are, you are a real – when somebody talks to me, and they just, they haven't seen me play guitar. They haven't been to my show, never heard my name or anything. And they find out I'm a guitarist, you know, they're like, oh, my cousin is a guitarist, you know. Oh, yeah. When they find <laughs> out that you're on Spotify and iTunes and Apple Music, you have videos on YouTube, that kind of thing. You just, you, uh, you just became a legitimate guitarist. And as you know, as I know, it's not hard to get your music on Spotify. You know, you can, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. you know. But, but but the point, but yeah, they don't, they don't know that. They don't now. know that. No. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, uh, but the other part, but the other part of that is I've, and I have noticed that, that 20 years ago when I show up for a gig, um, it's like, oh, the guitarist is here, you know, and now I show up for a gig and it's like, Roger's here. You know, yeah. and they get all excited <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. and they've never met me before, but they've seen my picture and, and they've seen my videos and they've heard my music. And, oh, I just love this. And, you know, and on and on and on. And so what it does is it allows me, to, um, number one, I, I it, well, it, it, it goes to the economics of what I do. I charge a little bit more than the average, the average guy, because the average guy doesn't do as much as I do. And it's, uh -huh. you know, 
and it hasn't been doing it for as long. My God, I've been playing well, forever. It's also, so it's also a matter of you valuing yourself. If you value yeah. yourself and you say you're worth X amount, that's how much you're worth, man. Yeah, but but anyway, all I was going to say is that the 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 difference in the attitude of, of when I go someplace, and I and people see me, you know, as I'm setting up to play their wedding, and all of a sudden they make a beeline right towards me and go, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to meet you. And they they get all excited like I'm some somebody important, you know. And I think I am important too, but I mean, you know, not not to that extent, you know. <laughs> and, and it's it's really it's really it's it's heartening at this uh-huh. at this end of, at this end of my career because I'm pretty much winding things down. Uh, it's it's heartening to be treated that way and to be thought of in that in that way. Uh-huh. And, and it's it's very 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 nice. Uh, but it's it, at the same time uh, it's I, I'm I'm kind of amused by it at the same time because it's never happened before. So uh-huh. so it's it's you know but but I but I think that is a direct result of of uh, being professional and putting up a podcast or not podcast or putting up a website, uh, having videos out there, having recorded, uh, you know, CDs and, and, and doing all of that kind of stuff and being, being active enough to be out there. And I know so many other musicians who don't, they don't hardly have anything out there. They don't promote it at all. And it's like, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta, it's, you, you have to, to a certain extent, um, I, I I do agree with you that you that you're missing out every time you don't. And, and I enjoy Nora and I enjoy working on videos together. We do a good job of it with the volume of videos that we do, which is maybe about four videos a year, kind of. You know, like that's that's about what we're able to take on and enjoy. Um, but I I I want to enjoy doing you know the things that I like doing, like composing. And you know, writing songs and touring. Touring takes up so much time. It really does. The COVID, the the past month and a half of just being quarantined and everything has really made me realize with all of the extra free time that I have, it's made me realize how much time touring and traveling takes up. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how much time I have now. But anyway, anyway. That's funny. Yeah, I, I know that in my teaching. Um, uh, I live nearly an hour away from Marshall Music, uh-huh. and so and so uh, there th- and, and and I've cut back, so I'm only there three days a week. Except now I'm not, and just taking those extra two hours of not driving every day. Yeah, you know, yeah. And just and just coming in here and sitting down and teaching online, and it's like, yeah, I've got time. I'm. <laughs> I've got time like I've never had before. I, I don't even know how to behave anymore. And uh, so it's I'm, I'm practicing more and and uh, and doing the podcast more and and enjoying. This has been just absolutely a blast. I you know I've never I haven't really promoted it. I'm not entirely sure I know how to promote it, uh, but uh, it's it's been fun to do. Yeah. And uh, and so it's it's like my hobby. I told my wife when I retire, this is what I'm gonna do is just do podcasts. <laughs> you know, Roger. Actually, so your 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 podcast is on Spotify. I listened to it on Spotify earlier today. Okay. Um, you put it on there, right? Like that was you that put it on Spotify. No. No, I I put it through. I have I have a distributor, and they put it on uh, Spotify and and Apple Music and a couple of other places. Okay. I'm, All right. I'm on. It's the 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 and their site is called Anchor. Uh, anchor.fm 
Okay. Um, and so they host it. They work like CD Baby. Okay, only. but for podcasts. Okay, okay so, right, exactly. So I, I post it once, and they, they put it out there uh, in other places, right? Cool, cool. So to your point, what were you saying? I'm sorry. Oh, I don't know. I think I, I was just, uh, I was going to say, um, I was going to ask if you knew that you could take your artist pick on Spotify as an artist, if you go to Spotify for artists, and I think you can feature your podcast. I, I could be wrong about that, but I think you could do that on your on your artist account. That's just where I was going with it. I was just rambling, Roger. That's okay. okay. It happens. Well, that's okay. I have to. T- I, there's. I've got so many things that I need to look into. It's frightening. Oh, and- I, yeah. I mean, and and it goes kind of. That's kind of what I was saying with like the the. You, there's only so much that you can do and want to do. Uh, as far as like the time of promoting yourself and everything, it's just you know, um, it, it's there. There are only so many hours in a day. What I what I am going to do um, uh, is probably this year I will I will discontinue uh, weddings. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and well, I'm getting old. <laughs> I feel that way too. <laughs> uh, dude, I'm twice your age, and then some. I got holes in my socks that are older than you. So, <laughs> so but, uh, but, but, um, but yeah, it, you get to a point where, you know, it, you just kind of have to, to wrap it up. Um, playing in the wedding is usually fun. Uh, when I see that bride walk in, uh, I, I enjoy that. It's yeah. the, the logistics of getting there and getting home and all of that kind of stuff. Man, it just wears me down. It just absolutely beats me up anymore. And uh, and I've got a bad heart, so lugging gear around is is uh, uh, becoming somewhat problematic. So you gotta watch uh, yourself there. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, that's yeah. that's what that's why I say I a couple of years ago, uh, uh, last few summers, not not so much last year. Last year I cut back a little bit, but the, the two or three summers before that, I was doing like thirty weddings a summer, uh-huh. and uh, and and that's that's and and that's a lot of special music to learn. You know, because I'm not saying oh, we, that's a ton. I mean, that's I'm, that's more than like if I play 30 shows, Roger, if I play 30 shows, it's 30 of the same show or at least the same songs. You yeah. Know? And I'm doing, like, yeah. And I'm doing and I did 30 where almost everything was different. And and I did those 30 shows and I did those and I did those 30 shows in 15 weeks. Well, I've, I've always been under the impression that you enjoy teaching quite a bit. Like oh. I and I do, too. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know if you knew, but I, I taught for a year after college. Why and not? I, I taught private lessons. The most the, the largest number of students I ever had was about 24. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I was a I was basically a bachelor at the time. You know, I was living with some of my friends and everything there sure. in Bowling Green, Ohio, in a college town. You know, basically like a, a an extra year of college tagged on. <laughs> so we didn't have a lot of bills. You know, my expenses were probably about 400 bucks a month total. You know, it wasn't anything bad at all. And so uh, 24 students, um, you know, but... And I remember here, when I listened to your, your podcast with Ken, um, you said you had a max of 93 students, I think you said. And 24, Roger, was a lot. 24 private private lessons, that was a ton. And at, so, about the time, at about the time that you were taking lessons from me, uh-huh. um, I was doing about 93 students 
you know, during the college year, because some of these were college students and some of these were Marshall music students. Yeah. But, and, but I had about 93 private students. Plus, at the same time, I was teaching um, uh, two, three, three classes every week. And I had two guitar ensembles that I was coaching. Um, and I was driving s approximately 750 miles each week to cover all of those bases. So that is I mean, a lot. yeah, it was it. Well, that was that was too much. That 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 one particular year was too much, and I cut back. Um, and uh, I think that the following year I stopped doing the uh, the coaching of the, the guitar ensembles, and I and it wasn't too long after that, and I I had. Uh, um, uh, stop doing all of the classes, uh, but 93 private students. That's what, I maxed that out, and I thought I can't do this anymore. The thing about it is, with with the teaching, was that it was always, uh, you know, because teaching doesn't pay a lot. So you're always thinking, if I could just pick up a couple more students, we could do this at home, or we could do that at home, or something like that. And I and I literally ran out of I I, I ran out of schedule. There was yeah. nothing. I, when yeah, I had that, that kind of schedule, yeah, I had yeah, a waiting list. I had a waiting list of 24. Wow, you know it was it was insane. I was I was seeing at Marshall Music. I was seeing at times eighteen students a day, eighteen nineteen students a day. I would start I would start in the morning, and I would go until a store closed. At that time, store closed at nine o'clock. I'd go till I mean, nine o'clock. Wow, gosh, that's insane, Roger. Like. I don't know. I, I just, I love teaching. Like I love any opportunity I get to do a clinic. Uh, jam play is, is I'm going to do a course with jam play, uh, coming up awesome. pretty soon. Uh, it's going to be called riffs with Mark. All right. And all I'm going to do, cool. all I'm going to do is teach riffs. That's all it is. I'm going to, I'm going to write riffs. I'm going to teach them to like about three in a lesson. And then with each riff, we're going to look at each way you can play it on the fingerboard. We're going to look at how to use them in improvisation. It's going to be none of my fancy double neck stuff, nothing like that. It's just going to be all electric guitar. Um, just, just something different. And it's because I like teaching, you know, I do, but I don't like it. At, I don't like it as much as performing. You know, and that's that's just where I'm always at is I like performing a little bit more. And if you want to perform as your full time job, you basically have to only perform because it literally takes that much work. You you know, like just all of the stuff like if having a like a concert career and everything. It's so it's a lot of work. it's a lot of work, man. Well, most of the musicians that I know, um, they, they love to perform. Uh, and then they teach a little on the side because it's fun. Yeah. But for me, it's exactly the opposite. I love to teach. I will yeah. never stop teaching. Uh, and I perform a little on the side because it's kind of fun. Um, but it's the, the performance. I, I like to perform. I love to teach. And for me, that's the difference. Yeah. And, and yeah. so it's exactly the opposite of most guys like yourself uh, that, that, you know. So, yeah, if I have a choice between teaching or performing, teaching will win every time. As a matter yeah. of fact, I just start. I just started a, a new program, my my COVID special, <laughs> and and I'm and I'm teaching beginning ukulele lessons to children, and I've got oh, a, a, a reduced price. And what we're doing is, and I love this. This is an idea I've wanted to try for a long time. And this has given me the opportunity to do it. It's um, doing two 15-minute lessons every week. So instead of going 
a 30 minute lesson and then going a week before you get another one. It's like every three or four days you get another lesson for about 15 minutes. You uh, don't have time to get bored. You don't, you don't, you can't really not practice because you're going to have a lesson in a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it's working extremely well. Parents love it. The kids love it. Every uh, one of the kids that, that I've done this with, when we get to the, the, end of, the end of our 15 minutes, and sometimes it runs to 16 or 17, I go, well, our time's up now. And they go, oh, man. <laughs> and they, they don't want to stop. And that's right where you want them, right? And we're just, and it's, it's ukulele, it's not guitar. I take the guitar a little too seriously. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so with the ukulele, we're just strumming songs, playing tunes, singing out of key, just yeah, having a ball. Yeah. And I'll tell you, it's really exciting. Mark, I can't tell you how exciting it is to sit here and strum and sing. And they're doing it too, and there's a delay. <laughs> so not on their end. They're singing along with what they're hearing. Yeah. But what I'm getting back. You sound like <laughs> horrible. That's awesome. Well, it's, just, it's, it's just awful, but, it's, but it's, it's, it's funny at the same time. It's just... I am grateful to Mark for taking the time to appear on my podcast. If you would like to know more about Mark, watch his videos, listen to his music, or maybe even attend a concert in the future, please go to markcruz.com. The link is in the description. And I want to thank you for listening to Creative Conversations with Roger Humphrey.